This is Eric Zolke, Web Communications Manager at the Population Reference Bureau. A lot of attention is given to infectious diseases in developing countries such as malaria, measles, HIV, AIDS, and more, but non-communicable diseases, or NCDs, are becoming increasingly prevalent in developing countries as incomes rise and lifestyles change. NCDs are diseases of long duration and generally slow progression. They include heart disease, stroke, cancer, asthma, diabetes, and more. Often referred to as chronic diseases, NCDs are distinguished by their non-infectious cause. With me is Wendy Baldwin, president of PRB, to discuss how non-communicable d- diseases affect youth. Welcome, Wendy. Thank you, Eric. So this is the end of the uh, UN Year of Youth and the beginning of the UN effort to highlight the importance of NCDs. Now, at first glance, these don't seem to have anything to do with each other. Why do you think they are linked? The UN has highlighted the four underpinnings of non-communicable diseases, at least the ones with the biggest impact and they are behavioral. Not only are they behavioral, but they are the ones with their roots in adolescence. The first is tobacco. Adolescence is typically the time when tobacco use begins, and the earlier it begins, the greater the risk of addiction. And more and more youth in low-income countries are smoking. Alcohol is another one of the UN-identified risks, and again, adolescence is often the time when alcohol consumption begins, and excessive consumption is a problem more often for young men than for young women. And when young women and young men have autonomy to get away from family controls, it makes it a time to experiment with some of these uh, behaviors. The third area the UN highlighted is unhealthy diet. Now, we all know the problems of malnutrition and undernutrition in low-income countries, but rates of being overweight or obese are rising in low- and moderate-income countries as well. And obesity is a risk factor for several of the chronic diseases. We hear time and again of the appeal of snacks to young people, even in poor settings. Salty, sweet snacks, high in fats, they're permeating low-income countries. And as young people are more on their own, they're more responsible for those food choices. Finally, lack of exercise. You know, life in rural areas is really rigorous, but increasingly the population in poorer countries is in the cities, where there is less need and fewer opportunities to be physically active. And I think we've all faced the challenge of changing an entrenched habit, which is not easy. So perhaps we should be focusing on how to help young people establish positive health behaviors, just a few of them, at that sensitive point in their lives. But are NCDs really a problem in the poorer countries? Aren't they battling infectious diseases mostly? Well, they certainly are battling infectious diseases, but there's a huge problem with NCDs in developing countries. Rates of diabetes and coronary heart disease are rising worldwide, and the number of deaths from NCDs exceeds those from infectious diseases in many, many countries. In low- and middle-income countries, a higher proportion of those NCD deaths occur for people under the age of 60. And so the difference is even more uh, marked at the younger ages. So if you go down to before, before age 60, there is much greater concentration of the NCDs in developing countries than there is in the the more developed countries. It's hard to see how a health system can deal with both. Uh, Poor countries are frequently struggling to meet their current demands. How can they take on more? Good question. One of the things about the, the behavioral underpinnings of the NCDs is that they don't all lie within the health sector, at least at those early stages. So many of the strategies that one might want to use to address these behavioral issues, 
They maybe lie with the school, with the community, with religious institutions, with how products are marketed. So I agree the health systems are already burdened in these countries, but this is a way to maybe share some of that responsibility across other sectors. Can you also talk about the challenges of costs of the addressing NCDs? Well, that's a great question because everyone is concerned about the cost that these NCDs are placing on countries and on their health systems. Programs to support positive health behaviors are certainly not free, but they're very different from the programs to develop to deliver medical interventions. I mean, we're not talking about drug costs here, but we're talking about the cost of engaging constituency groups to support positive health behaviors and behavioral programming and that can be used in different settings. Um, But to the extent that these programs are successful, they may be helpful in getting young people to avoid the costs of tobacco and alcohol, which can be substantial, for example. And in addition to the cost of, say, alcohol, there are other risk behaviors that are elevated by increasing alcohol consumption. For example, gender-based violence or unsafe sex or motor vehicle accidents. So the effects to lower alcohol consumption can have multiple benefits. And we we also know that chronic diseases are one of the sources of a health shock that puts families into poverty or keeps them from getting out of poverty. You know, the World Economic Forum has identified the chronic diseases as the second most severe threat to the world economy in terms of livelihood and potential economic loss. So you're right to raise the cost question, and I think it deserves a really careful assessment. Um, But there are ways to address it. So you've mentioned uh, diabetes and hypertension. Are there other NCDs that affect young people while they are young? Well, there are, actually. Um, the two that are most important for young people while they are young are mental illness, which we know is the major cause of disability at the young ages, and deaths and, uh, and uh, morbidity from traffic accidents and other accidents. So anyone who has traveled in gra- rapidly growing urban areas knows that traffic congestion and the risks are extreme. And you see that when you look at the mortality rates for young people. Finally, much is made about the youth bulge in many developing countries. Can you talk about demography's role in this, how the size and growth of young populations affect NCDs? Well, many countries are facing a growth in the youth population, and demographers have been very good about helping to lay out what that rate of growth will be, what that pattern is going to look like for countries, and I think they can be helpful in showing how the risks that are begun during adulthood are going to cascade into the the burden of the NCDs in later ages. You know, it's always hard to think about what are the costs going to be 25 years from now. But frankly, with the behavioral underpinnings of the NCDs, you can't wait 25 years to change these behaviors. You have to address them at the beginning, which actually is during young adolescence and young adulthood. Now, I would never diminish the role of the health system in treating people who have the noncommunicable diseases. Don't get me wrong. But when we know now that the roots of these diseases lie in identified behavioral factors and we know we have a growth in the young population that's just the people who are starting out either with or without those risk factors, it seems there needs to be a call to action to understand how we can help young people develop sort of um, 
a stronger youth that's going to help in the development of those countries and the economy of those countries and the health burden that those countries face. Well, Wendy Baldwin, thank you very much for taking the time to talk today. My pleasure.